0: lucky you you're listening to the inaugural episode of the subject x podcast the podcast where we talk about an interesting subject of interest every week something different my name is vaughn joining me today is derek and the subject of interest on subject x is virtual reality and the reason that i've got derek on today is because uh, he's the only person that I know that has some decent VR at the moment, and um, it's the HTC Vive. And how long have you been living with this technology now, Derek?
1: <laughs> how how long have I been living with this infliction? Um, right. It's been about a month.
0: Okay. So, just a little bit of background about you. You were a contributor to the the Kickstarter for the Oculus yeah. Rift.
1: Yeah. Well, not just after the Kickstarter. So you... um, I didn't actually get in on the Kickstarter itself. Okay. Um, but yeah, I do. I do have the DK one, the SDK one for the Oculus Rift. And uh, as groundbreaking as that piece of hardware was, it's really surprising how far it's come in the, like three years or so since that was actually released to what, you know, the Vive is today. It's, pretty remarkable the differences
0: well this is something that i've been interested in since getting the opportunity to try the oculus rift
1: yeah the rift itself is actually kind of interesting like vr is not a a new concept by any means as far as technology goes the concept of vr has been around for what 70 years 60 years probably Mm -hmm. there was a bit of proper consumer-grade VR back in the 90s that was massive and, you know, completely overpriced for what it was and couldn't be used by the average person kind of thing. But now with the just with the advances of smartphones in the last 10 or 15 years or so here, you know, with the high-definition screens, the small processors, the small sensor packages and stuff, that's really what sparked this new recurrence of VR is really the, the, the original Rift the DK one was off the shelf parts for mobile phones and tablets. And they just basically put it in a plastic housing and wrote software for it.
0: Yeah. I think the, the real sort of thing that made VR viable with mobile technology is, is the accelerometer. And is that the same technology that provides the orientation of the device? Is it called something else?
1: Well, it, it is and it isn't. Like in the Vive right now, it does use that to some extent, but it's actually using, it's like a form of uh, LiDAR, like a laser-admitting diodes that actually, there's sensors on the actual headset and on the controllers that are looking for a specific signal coming out in a certain wavelength. And that's how it actually orientates itself in the room. But it does. It does use some some accelerometers, some whatever motion sensing package as well to, to augment that. Yeah, there's always breakups and that kind of stuff. Okay, and so we yeah, should it just kind of do together.
0: Okay, so we should talk specifically um, about the Vive in a second. I just wanted to say that I I was able to get a hold of Google Cardboard a couple of years ago, and so when when I'm talking about mobile phones, I mean the first sort of. VR that I saw on a, on a mobile phone or augmented reality was, I think, called Google Star Map. So there's an app where you can point your phone around at the sky and it, it actually shows you Google Sky, maybe Sky View something. And it shows you what stars you're looking at. And, and I thought that was just amazing that this phone has the technology to understand where you're pointing it in the sky yeah. or wherever
1: yeah you know it's it just took the the right person to be thinking about it for all this to kind of come well, around it, again i think <laughs> it
0: takes the right technology at the right price and then a little creativity and you get something similar well, like that and with google cardboard yeah. it actually blew me away because i had tried the oculus rift at that barbecue that that where you allowed me to try it and yeah. that actually blew me away it was low resolution but it was exhilarating like I think it was on a roller coaster it's
1: it's yeah for for what it is it was so immersive it didn't matter that if you needed if you like stopped and really studied the environment that you're looking at that you could obviously tell that it was manufactured kind of thing Mm -hmm. but now the Vive and the the proper RC version of the Rift the fidelity is probably a hundred times better Mm-hmm. And then you start throwing in the, you know, the full space tracking, like the room tracking that the Vive does. So let's talk,
0: t- tell us about the technology involved with the Vive, what came in the box and how does it fit together to provide okay. the virtuality reality experience? Um,
1: so, well, obviously there's a headset that you mount directly to your face, <laughs> uh, comes with a, a 15 meter long cable. Which is unfortunate, but it's kind of the only solution that we have at this point. I'm sure we'll see in the future something that's uh, a bit less tethering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've got two motion-sensitive controllers that have a few buttons on them, but they've also got a trackpad on them that's kind of like a touchpad for a mouse or for a mouse on on a laptop. Yeah. And then you've got two little boxes, they call them base stations, and they're basically the laser emitters. And those are the stationary objects in the room that you define your boundaries by. And that's what gives you the, the positional tracking is from those. Okay. And I mean, that's that's pretty much it. There's a, there's a breakout box, they call it, which is pretty much just a powered hub that the vive itself plugs into and then you plug that into your computer just so that you can get that extra range that you need on the on the cable yeah and that's that's pretty much it okay so so it actually
0: requires your computer to drive the thing
1: right yeah i guess that's something we haven't really talked about so the major yeah the major difference between something like the Google Cardboard or whatever the Samsung VR one is, yep. is that, yeah, it does require a full fledged gaming PC. We're not talking like, you know, your off the shelf, 800 or $600 laptop. You need something with some serious horsepower to run this stuff. Okay. Part of it is due to, well, you know, it's, it's not really due to the, the tracking portion of it at all. We can, we can talk about that actually in a minute. Um, but the, the biggest problem is that you need to maintain a certain frame rate, um, which is pretty much the number of images displayed to the eye. It needs to be high enough that your brain can't distinguish that what it's looking at isn't actually what it's, what's there. Because when you start uh, dropping frames, it's called, it actually can make you almost physically ill. Like, it's almost like you get a similar sensation to seasickness. Right, where it's this—it's this disconnect between what you're seeing and what's actually happening.
0: So you think your feet are, your body thinks that you're firmly planted on the ground, but you're moving anyway in it.
1: And yeah. It's so like you're if saying. you're if you're yeah. if yeah if you're spinning your head left to right and it judders as you're doing that, it there's this weird disconnect in your brain and it, it makes you try and balance yourself because you think you know something's moving that shouldn't be moving. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's 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 a tough thing to describe. There's actually a similar issue with like a traditional game say a first person shooter or really anything that you control a character in you move that character and you know it's completely independent to your physical body itself now in vr if you try and do the same thing you'll actually find yourself trying to balance yourself from falling over because you think your body's actually moving when it's not and again, it's, it's back to this weird, like VR sickness. And that's kind of the great right now that's the biggest thing the developers are trying to get around is find up find interesting ways to not have you need to physically move, but still make a game that is, you know, extensive. It's not just the size of whatever living room you're playing in.
0: Okay, can you describe the experience? I'm, I'm interested particularly in the sensors in the room. And how how you interact with those things? Like what what kind of a game? I understand there's a mini golf game that might use your room as a course. Is that correct?
1: Um, I think there is. I've not actually played that one. Okay. Um, so really the sensors don't really come into it all that much. Basically, what you do when you initially set it up, there's the open VR room setup or the Steam VR room setup, where you basically you take one of the controllers and you trace out your boundary of your room. And all that does is just lets the engine itself know this is this is as far as a player can move. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're actually in VR, there is an option to be able to turn on a, a quasi camera so you can see the room if you need to. But the real trick is you don't need that on at all. What it does is it just gives you kind of this faint blue grid. Anytime you get close enough to one of the boundaries that you laid out to just let you know, hey, you can't take another step that direction. They call it the chaperone. And that's really what it does is it just makes sure that you you don't step out of out of bounds or step into a wall kind of thing, right?
0: Yeah. So you're not kicking over the fish tank or stepping down the stairs without knowing they're well, there kind of thing.
1: See, like that's. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do, but, I mean, there's all kinds of stories already, like, even in this first month and a half since these have been out of, yeah, people falling down stairs because, <laughs> you know, they get some kind of weird VR hiccup or, you know, they hit a button that actually jumps their character and they try and stable themselves and they step backwards and down a flight of stairs for oh, whatever reason, like, yeah. But, is it yeah, there's a few stories like that. I mean, even, even me, there's a few games that are... Um, uh, they really rely on like reactions, you know, testing your speed, testing your reaction time, kind kind of stuff. And the one the one specifically I was playing is called Budget Cuts, where you're just uh, some kind of weird guy. You might be a robot potentially. <laughs> I'm not sure what the protagonist is supposed to be, but you've got a like a teleport gun, so you can move around the level. But the idea is that you got to break into this office building and throw stuff at the security bots and kill them. You get in there, I had just disabled one of the bots and I'm bending over to pick up my knife out of the bot and I hear another one coming up behind me. So I immediately stand up, turn around, throw a knife at him. But what I didn't know is I was actually like- Stabbing your way from the chest? Yeah, well, a quarter of a step (laughs) from the wall. And now I have a giant hole in my wall where I bash the controller through it. (laughs) Seriously? No, it's not that big, but.
0: So you actually you made know, a hole in the wall with a, with. Yeah, so, there's a
1: pretty good, pretty good thing in there.
0: So the, you and this, it's, this control you're talking about, it's a physical thing that you're holding.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're. Uh, they're so kind of tough sensor. to describe. Almost like a Wiimote. Yeah. Um, but they're quite a bit more substantial, and they've got a big round end on the front of them that actually houses all the sensors.
0: So it would look like the PlayStation Three via. Um...
1: The emo. move, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they, it's it's not like a globe on the top. They are circular, but it's like a donut.
0: Okay, and they're they're,
1: they're actually they're really well built. Like, like I said, I bash it on the wall, and I don't see any any sort of physical damage on them. <laughs> okay, good. Um, they got a good weight <laughs> to them. They they feel really good.
0: All right, so is it awesome? Are you happy with it? Are you sick of it? Absolutely,
1: yet? no, so not at all. <laughs> I probably speak for anybody that has one, like. There needs to be more content on them, but with there not being a lot of the actual dev kits for the Vive itself, I think is what's really held a lot of stuff up. Um, but even now, like there's probably, I'd say a hundred and fifty games or so on just on Steam right now that yeah. are like full room scale support.
0: So tell me, um, tell me, um, you were talking the other day about. Watching an episode of Star Trek while sitting on the bridge yeah. of the Starship Enterprise and and watching the yeah. episode on the view screen of the Starship Enterprise.
1: Yeah, so that was a bit of an exaggeration. You used to be able to do that in the Rift, but nobody's actually ported it over. So what you can actually do is there's um, there's a program called Virtual Desktop, which pretty much just gives you a desktop in 3D space that you can you know run. A regular program on. Mm-hmm. So you can pull up a video player inside of that program and watch a movie on it. Oh, okay. um, but there's also a programmable like 3D background for that as well. So you basically can sit in any sort of an environment that you want. So I was sitting in the environment built to look like the bridge of the enterprise with a video playing approximately where the view screen should be. Okay, But it wasn't like it's not embedded in the view screen like it was I'm not sure anybody's, maybe somebody's updated that to run with the new, the new hardware yet. I didn't really look. It was just, yeah. Happened to be what I was, was doing that day. So.
0: Can you just, can you imagine the, the um, potential for a Star Trek video game where you're actually walking around on the bridge and seeing other ships on the view screen and touch
1: controls be, and things like that? Yeah, it would be pretty amazing. Um, somebody is building like a full one-to-one scale model of the class D in in Unreal. Um, I played with it a little bit. He needs like it needs a lot of work. Um, the controls are clunky. It didn't run very well on the machine, which probably didn't help my 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 view of it. But yeah, it, it was still it was still neat to see. It was still neat to, to walk around in. But so VR isn't necessarily just for video games there are quite a few different applications for it that are outside of like the video gaming world. And one of those is, you know, virtual reality tours. Yeah. And yeah, sure. It, it makes sense for something that's fictional like that, but there's stuff out there right now that are like 3d scans of actual places where, you know, you can walk through museums or, you know, that's... visit some old cave or castle or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, that's places that you probably never go. Uh,
0: yeah. I downloaded an app for the Google Cardboard. And it, that's just like that. You can actually visit and it's surprisingly good just for a piece of cardboard and a couple pieces of plastic in there. Yeah. And you put your mobile phone in there and it's, it's actually quite amazing. Um, and I can only imagine what the, what the vibe is like compared to that. Cause, cause
1: this is well, yeah. really given basic. the, given the Yeah. The one-to-one room scale, that's what really sets the vibe apart from anything at this point. Like if you compare specs, the headset, like the Vive headset versus a the Rift, they're pretty much identical. Mm-hmm. I mean that ergonom- ergonomics, ergonomics of the uh, of the Rift sound like they're a bit better. I've never actually had it on, but if you look at the specs of the screen and the sizes and all that kind of shit, they're pretty much identical.
0: Yeah, can you pick a particular game and and tell us? Um, I guess you kind of have, but is there is there something um, that would really help? help someone picture what you're seeing and how it works
1: so the the simplest transition from non-vr to vr are things that have cockpits so something like a spaceship game or a car game are really easy to understand just because it's you know you put this thing on and it feels like you're actually there but as far as a truly vr game that would only work in vr or, well, I guess not only work in VR, but works really well in VR is something like Out of Ammo, which is actually th- this guy. Oh yeah, so it was a guy that did Daisy, which was a mod that kind of kickstarted a MMO survival type stuff. Um, but anyway, so so Out of Ammo is kind of a combination of a real-time strategy game and a first-person shooter. Um, so basically, you are you start out as a commander where you're like this 100-foot-tall giant surveying a battlefield where you can pretty much just give orders to say, you know, tell this guy to go over here and build a sandbag barricade. Tell this guy over here and build a, a sniper tower. And then eventually, you know, you start getting waves of enemies coming towards you. And then you can actually take over the different npcs that you have around your base in order to try and defend your base so you you know you click on them and then you shrink down to normal human size and you've got a gun you gotta you know you fire all your rounds you gotta physically pull the clip out of it you gotta grab a new clip physically put it back in cock the weapon all that kind of stuff yeah and it's like it, it becomes really immersive from that standpoint as being just a shooter but then you can go back to this big overlay where you're you know, you got to call in artillery strikes and stuff and you got to, you know, try and maintain your medics and make sure that they're not getting dicked over by by all the guys coming in and stuff. Like it's it's a really good blend of like a traditional, well, a traditional RTS, a traditional first person shooter, and then you mash it together into this like VR package and it just, it works really well.
0: So how how much physical movement are you really doing in a, in a lot of... Use for this. Like... So,
1: yeah, something like that. Maybe not so much. but Like I said before, that the games that are more reactionary, they are quite physically demanding. Some of them. The first couple of days after I had the Vive, I was like, I was sore. Like I had been working out the night before. Like my legs were sore, my yeah. calves were sore. Like I could, I could barely stand up or sit down because I'd been, you know, ducking behind cover. Or, you know, trying to, trying to like dodge stuff that's coming at me. So, so does that, there, there way, is some physicality to it. Do, do, do does that want.
0: prevent you from wanting to play? Like, are, are you, is it, is it so fun that you want to do that exercise or is it more like eh, maybe I'll play the passive game because I'm lazy?
1: Um, no, I w I wouldn't say that. I, it's more—it's more a it's more lack of content, I think, at this point. If there was a good game that had lots of content that was physically exerting, I would probably play it. Okay. Right now, the a few games that are, you know, like like for example, that um, the throwing knives killy robot game, uh, budget cuts. It's it's about twenty minutes long, and that's it because it's it's actually just a demo right now. And they're coming out with a full game, but that's, that's one where you're like, you know, you're hiding behind desks and you're, you know, peeking around corners and that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, you, you are, you do actually get a bit of a workout, you know, it's not like you're jogging a hundred miles, but I mean, you're up and down and it's, it's more active than any other video game. Do you know what
0: the limitations are for the situational awareness like, could you put it in a gymnasium and have a lot more room? Assuming the cord was long enough.
1: Yeah. Um, so there was actually a group of guys. Um, they've actually got a really good YouTube channel. If I can think, they're the they the rocket jump guys. I'm not sure what their actual YouTube channel is called. Um, but yeah, they did. They actually took it to a warehouse, and yeah. had, you know, I I don't know I don't know what their their room scale was, but it was huge, 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 and. Yeah, and it, and it worked. It worked just fine for him. So I don't know what kind of fuckery they had to do. Is it
0: good? Is the situational awareness, is it relevant from what you've seen? Is it good?
1: Like, as far as how well it works, you mean? Or well, I, I guess it's like
0: you're saying it kind of, it's just there to kind of prevent you from running into the wall. But I, I, was, picturing, oh, the... I was picturing it like if there's a desk in the middle of the room, it's going to build that into the game as like, you know, an obstacle in a mini golf course, for instance
1: yeah um so I, I i haven't actually looked at that VR golf thing I don't really have a lot of interest in it mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how that would work so really the the sensors themselves are actually passive they don't actually do anything they're just emitting emitting data really in in light packets is all they're doing and so you they're, actually so they're
0: actively it, like they're powered they're actively emitting
1: yeah. Yeah, they're basically okay. they're pretty much like the IR bar from from the Wii. They're they're way more advanced. They've got there's actually a spinning laser kind of array in them that does some kind of weird ass shit. I'm not really sure what. Yeah, it so does. they
0: they should be able to form a picture of of the objects in the room then.
1: No, they don't, because like all they all they're doing is emitting it. They're not actually receiving any data back. Oh, um, okay,
0: so they're just a beacon. So you, yeah, that's the it, system's that's exactly aware right. of where those limits are. Yeah. So, so and what, well, you
1: actually you actually so it tracks the controllers anywhere it can, or the controllers track those anywhere oh, I can okay, see yeah. them, and then you just physically lay out the size of the room, and that's really the only, like.
0: Okay, I think room I understand.
1: Presence. Yeah. So like what what you're talking about, um, I actually saw recently. A thing on the hololens the microsoft hololens which is something we actually haven't talked about yet but yeah that what that is doing is kind of what you're thinking where it's actually a two-way street where the hololens itself is picking up and building a real-time 3d model of your environment and then from there it can do different stuff like you know being able to create virtual virtual displays that are, look like they're actually hanging on a wall and yeah
0: augmented stuff. reality which is augmented yeah, reality yeah it's quite exactly. interesting the idea so, there
1: um, there was actually a really good YouTube video I'd seen recently about it was just showing the, the like ray tracing of the HoloLens actually building the environment and how it actually does it and what it finds and you know some of the issues that it has with different stuff yeah. but it was just really interesting to see it in a like an organic environment like he had it outside his house and seeing how it built the you know the retaining walls and the trees and bushes and all that kind of crap it worked incredibly well and the Mm -hmm. thing that's like the thing that really impressed me is so he started this video when he was outside after he'd obviously already been playing with it and he's walking around and he kind of walks past this window and we're like oh weird he's got this giant ass tv in there and then he turns around and he looks through the window And it's like, oh, yeah, I was just in there and like mapped all this stuff. So that screen that's in there is not real. It's actually being projected by the HoloLens. And, you know, it even figures it out now that I'm outside Hmm. to be able to project it against that wall and and just do it. And that that in itself just blew me away. It's like, yeah. So. Cool. Anyways.
0: All right. All right. Well, I want to keep the format of this show relatively short and we're almost at half an hour here. So, um, yeah, thanks for uh, lending your expertise on this subject. And it sounds really interesting. And I, uh, I can't wait to visit Canada and give it a, give it a try because I don't know anyone else who uh, has this technology, certainly not in Australia where I'm living at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Whenever, whenever you're ready, get over here. We'll play with it. It's, it's honestly a lot more fun. Well, I mean, it's, it's fun to play with, but I, I do actually really enjoy showing it to people. And seeing their reaction to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks again, Derek. And thanks to everyone for listening to the very first episode of the Subject X podcast. And uh, hopefully there are more to come. And I imagine we'll figure out the uh, more structure to the show as as we go forward, or maybe not. So, um, yeah, thanks.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.